Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Podcast, episode number 15. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. This is Jay Scott, your host of the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Podcast, and I am here with our co-host, Dusty Phillips. Uh, Dusty, how's it going? Uh, Everything's good here in Ohio, Jay. Awesome, man. Well, this is our... our, um, our bow hunting show and we were we're being joined today by randy gagney from morse's sporting goods and randy thanks for joining us and uh, randy is a uh, bow technician uh that is is sought out from all parts of new england uh, and he's agreed to sit down with us for an hour to talk to us about everything we ever wanted to know about bows and prep and everything that goes into making sure our bows are operating correctly. So, Randy, thank you and for joining us. Glad to be here. All right, man. Um, we have a slew of questions. Are you ready? I am ready. Right. Fire away. Uh, let's let's get into a little bit about you. Where are you from, Randy? I am originally from Concord, New Hampshire. Okay. Um, lived here my whole life. Excellent. And how'd you get into uh, bow tech work? I actually, when I was in high school, um, started shooting competitively. And uh, a new shop opened up in town, and I started working there part-time while I was in high school. Nice. And uh, from there, went to a few tech schools. Went to Hoyt School, PSE School, uh, Matthews. So I've been to them all. Oh, no kidding. Um, but that was uh, 19 years ago. <laughs> been doing it ever since. You don't look like you're that old. I'm, really. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, you're wearing a Matthews solo cam shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not biased. I you're like not them biased. All. all right. Uh, you work on all kinds of different bows at the shop, right? I do. I work on all, all makes and models. Yeah. Gotcha. Now it turns out you're my neighbor, right? Yes. You yes, live, I am. Very you, close neighbor. You live across the road, which Absolutely. That, that's a heck of a neighbor to have. <laughs> it really is. It makes us real convenient. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right on. Yep. Um, so what, uh, what should we know about just buying a bow in general right now? Um, the big thing is the technology's changed a lot as far as how the bows are designed. They're, uh, they're now called parallel limbs, um, which basically means the limbs are, are built more like a rectangle. So your limb tips move up and down instead of forward. Mm-hmm. So there's hardly any vibration in the bows these days. Um, so they're a lot quieter, but, uh, you know, the big thing is if you buy a bow, it's got to fit you in order for it to work properly. It's got to be fit to you. Gotcha. It's like buying golf clubs and stuff like that. It, it's got to be fit to you. Gotcha. Um, I've heard rumors, um, from your coworkers and some, some friends of yours that, uh, people seek you out from all over New England, um, <laughs> as far away as Maine, Connecticut, Massachusetts, um, this is true. What uh, what are you doing different um, to or how do you draw that that much of a clientele? It's I've had the same customers for close to 19 years and you know word of mouth if you treat people right, you know that that makes a difference, but you also have to know what you're doing and it's uh, there used to be an archery shop on every corner, but now there's, you know, a handful. So it's uh there's not a lot of people with the knowledge out there, you know, to to put these things together right. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it. Gotcha. But that, you know, we're all hunters. We all treat people, you know, good. So right. that's, that's the important thing. Now, I've um, I've gone into your shop, which is Morrison Sporting Goods, owned by Jim Morris, correct? correct. Yep. And uh, usually I can't see it because you're like buried in bows hanging mm-hmm. um, across the top of the ceiling and you're behind the, the shop. The, um, the, the workshop there and I, I can see you kind of running around back there I usually have to go and, and grab you from behind the yeah it's my own little jail cell yep. yeah yeah and it's it's a jail cell of bars that are made from bows yep. kind of cool how's that for excitement dusty that's exciting that's for sure it's pretty cool huh um dusty what kind of questions do you have for randy you know, uh, we're going to try to just kind of start it off. Say you've got your bow put up for the season, and we're, we're back in the bow season. Let's say uh, April, May, you decide you're going to get your bow out. Is there any preparation? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you definitely want to make sure you've got some some wax on your strings. Um, make sure that you, you oil your, your nuts and bolts, too, before you put it away, especially if you're going to put it in a garage or a basement. Um, I mean, the bows are built for moisture. It's not going to hurt them, but your your screws and everything will definitely rust if you, if you leave them uh, unoiled. 
Is there uh like condensation that that plays a major part in anything that's got like metal bolts or it or does. uh you know that that's a thing that from coming from a master boat tech that you know that we, we want to cover that just for somebody that that's going to put one away or get one out you know make sure you go through the proper techniques to store it and get it out and get it ready to shoot yeah i mean the big thing is definitely lube those bolts because if you ever want to change any accessories on your bow and those are i call it nature's loctite if they're if they're rusted in there i can't get them out without you know stripping the bolts and then then i have to use a drill press and get the bolts out so if you need to change something you, you definitely want to have your your bolts lubed um you know check your strings over because uh if you get two or three years out of a string cable system you're doing pretty well especially if you shoot a lot yeah at that, at that point it's time to, to go ahead and to get either even, new yeah. put on even if it or, looks or right on yeah two or three years that's uh that's what you're calling to be uh plenty for a life of a bowstring absolutely because you don't know what's going on underneath the servings there's areas that are that are served over on that string and you can't see what what goes on underneath there um, excellent excellent so you want to want to check that out now take uh i'm i'm a I'm a I'm a bad boy here, uh, uh-huh. Randy. I have I bought a bow in uh, around 1995. Oh boy! Yep. Uh-huh. It's a M, it's a Matthews MQ32. Absolutely, so, right? Yep. It's an old oldie but goodie, right? Good bow. Yep. To me, it's still brand new. Yep. I haven't had anything changed mm. on it at all. I still shoot it um, fairly routinely. Yep. But uh, I really have not done much maintenance except my basic maintenance that I would do. Um, and that doesn't really, I don't think I've oiled it much. So, uh, what, and I'm going to just assume that there are a lot of guys out there like me. There's a ton. Yeah. Yeah. The majority actually. Yeah. That's, that's what I would expect. Um, what should a guy like me do right now? to make sure that uh, my hunting season this year is successful? Well, you know, bring it bring it so I can look at it. That's okay. the big thing because over the years, um, you know, 10 years ago, everything had nylon bushings. There was no um, wheel bearings, tool bearings, or anything like that in the cams. Now we have that. So your nylon bushings in your cams could be shot, you know, could be shot, Okay, um, which will rob you of accuracy. Right. So in strings and cables, you know, if it's that old and those are original strings and cables, it uh, – it, it might need them. Okay. Even though everything looks good, those strings and cables will stretch and it will change the whole uh, geometry of your bow without you even knowing it. No kidding. Yep. And it won't uh, won't shoot like it should. Wow. That's probably, that explains why things aren't hitting the target well, like they know, used to. Well, you know, if your bow is a 60-pound max, say, yep. um, after 10 years, if you don't change strings and cables, it might be down to 56 pounds yep. Yep, without even knowing it. So um, after we're done here, if before you head home, could I give that to you and <laughs> take it to the shop and then uh, I'll pick I would, it up? I would recommend that you do, actually. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Um, how, how many? How, okay. Let's back up here. Tell, <laughs> tell, tell us how old this bow is. 1996 is when I bought it. Not a 96. And you've just done some maintenance or no maintenance? Some, some of my own maintenance. Yes. Okay. Uh, very okay. minimal. Not, not, not anything up to the level that Randy, uh, Randy would just, you know, he'd like blow it off as, as something he, he could do in his sleep. Just to let you Rand- know, I sold those bows in high school in 1996. See, there you go. I was in high school or just getting Rand- out of high school. Sorry. All right, Randy. All right. I got, I got to tell you, tell Jay that he's got to get his bow looked at bottom line. Definitely needs a tune up. See, he's not leaving my house till I give him my bow. Basically. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, what other questions do you have, Dusty? You know, uh, going in for a bow, say I'm a, I'm a first time hunter. I'm coming into the shop and, and I, I run into you, Randy. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you're going to tell uh, a new hunter on what they should purchase to get started. You know, uh, as far as draw length, how, how do you determine that mm-hmm. and, and poundage that's manageable for somebody to pull? Yep. How, do, how do you go about doing that? The very first thing we do is we find your dominant eye because you have to uh, you have to set a bow up according to your, your dominant eye. You might do everything right-handed, but be left eye dominant. And if that's the case, you get a left-handed bow. Um the reason for that is is that way you can shoot with both eyes open and not restrict your yourself to having you know one eye shut. And then uh, we figure out you know your draw length, which the quickest and easiest way to do that is you, you divide your uh, your wingspan by two and a half, and that gets us very close to what your draw length would be, and then we fine tune it from there. As far as the poundage goes, everybody's different. I've seen very large guys, you know, that, that can't pull 50, 55 pounds, and I've seen just the opposite. It's it's all in the person. So uh, these days, a 50 to 60-pound bow is all you'll ever need, depending on what you're going to, you know, go hunting for. So Excellent, excellent. Gotcha. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit. Uh, Randy was, was kind enough to put together some questions that he receives in the shop every day for the most part. 
Um, one of which was how do I figure out my draw length, which is what Dusty just asked. One of the things, let's, let's go down through some of these questions here. Uh, what broadhead should I use, the fixed or the expandable? This is a big one. I hear this every day. Okay. Um, a lot of it is personal preference and you're, you're going to hear, you know, horror stories on both, unfortunately. But the big thing with an expandable head is that they, they re- they retract. So they're in flight, they're closed. When they hit the animal, they open up. So they fly exactly like your practice points do. So once you're all dialed in with your practice points, you can screw these tips on and go hunting without having to shoot them. Okay. A fixed blade head, not the same. You're putting wings on the front of your arrow. Um, so those actually have to be tuned to your arrow. There's some performance differences there. There's nothing better for penetration than a, you know, fixed blade broadhead. Okay. And they continuously cut while they're in, in the game. But um, there's some tuning involved with them. So generally you can't just screw those on and go hit the same point of yep. impact. Sometimes you luck out and you can, but normally that's not the case. Let's expand upon that a little bit. So if you, if you've got a fixed broadhead, you have to tune the broadhead to the arrow itself. Yes. And some people think that that's just lining up the, the feathers to your blades yep. or opposite or whatever. That's not the case. Um, your inserts are put into your arrow um, at the pro shop or, or wherever. If they're not machined properly or uh, not put in straight, mm-hmm. which can happen, um, then that broadhead is basically on the arrow crooked. So it's going to go the, the direction that it's pointed. If you take your arrow with a broadhead on it and you spin it on end on a glass table or whatever, you'll be able to see that wobble. Mm-hmm. If that wobbles, it's not going to fly. So, I mean, a lot of times you might get a dozen arrows and only have four or five that are that are good and straight that okay. that'll, that'll fly good. So um, it, it has to be a, a precision instrument. Yeah, what we do is we uh, somebody will order some arrows from us. We install the broadheads so that they do line up with your veins, but we also put the inserts in straight and make sure that they they uh, spin to tolerance so that uh, they right. fly good. That way, every arrow you pull out of your quiver is the same. So how many arrows should you have in your quiver if you're out? It all depends. Yep. I mean, in New Hampshire, it's uh, you could have one with last year all season. But, uh, you know, a place like Ohio, um, you know, four arrow is, is the norm now. Yep. It used to be eight. But now, uh, you know, smaller, lighter quivers are the norm. So gotcha. four to six, I mean, that, that should be six. plenty. Dusty, how many you carry in your quiver? I carry four. Four. Okay. Yeah. That's about what I've got as well. Um, are these, are these, uh, aluminum 1992s? No, I've actually <laughs> bought new arrows. I made my own arrows. They still shoot. <laughs> I'm sure that they're not precision because I've got to do the, the, uh, the table top test. Um, mm-hmm. some of them might be wobbly, but I usually, I've, I'm at least smart enough to, to do that. Yep. That's good. Yep. So I think I'm, they're not 1992. Those, those are long gone, Dusty, but thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I had to ask the boat. The bow hasn't had no tuning. I was just making sure the arrows were up yeah, to date. Yeah, no, they're they're fairly new. In fact, I don't think I can even get the arrows that I originally started with. They probably don't make them anymore. They yeah. phased out of a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I started with uh, some aluminum arrows. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm still with aluminum arrows, but I started with some a different version than I, I have today. And the chart that I used to use, they, they don't even make the ones that right. came with the bow right. way back when. Um, let's see. How much weight do I need to pull? You kind of have to tailor that to the game you're hunting. Um, you know, generally for deer, turkey, you know, antelope, that size animal, you know, 50 to 60 pounds is sufficient. Um, but, you know, if you're going after elk or moose or something like that, it, a lot of that depends on your draw length and everything too. But mm-hmm. um, some people choose to shoot a little bit more. The big thing is if you've got good broadheads, good arrows, um, and good arrow flight, you should be okay with 60, 62 pounds, you know, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. But it, it's, it's a little bit personal preference, but if you tailor your equipment to what you're, what you're hunting and, you know, talk to your, if you have a pro shop that you deal with, ask, you know, the people behind the counter. If you're going on an elk hunt, ask them, you know, okay. they'll, they'll set you up right. That is, um, What's the normal draw length or draw weight on a, a recurve bow? I mean, you're not, you're a compound guy, right? No, I sell a fair amount of recurves. You also. do? Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Um, less than you would think. Um, those are measured at 28 inch draw. So if, if the bow is stamped 50 pounds, it's going to get that at 28 inches. If you pull 30, you're, you're gaining weight. So, you know, that 50 pound bow could be 56, 57. It, it stacks up a lot, but generally 45 is the most common that we sell. Okay. And that's, um, that becomes, that's lighter than what you'd have on a compound. It typically. is, but it's all the way there. It right. stacks all the way. There's no let off halfway through. Right. So right. you're holding that entire weight. Right. And that's the whole beauty of a compound bow is that you have a let off, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 80%. Yeah. When was the compound bow invented? 
Any idea? Um, you started seeing them, I believe, in the late 60s, uh, mm-hmm. early 70s. Um, got very popular in the 80s. Right. In early 90s, it was it, the technology just started to go crazy from there. Was it uh, the Bear, Fred Bear? Or? Bear was huge. Jennings. Yeah. Um, Stemler. I mean, there there's some oldies. Yep out there um and i still see bows that are 35 years old is that right yep and uh and guys hunt with them and and they do okay with them i think the first compound bow i ever had was a uh, i think it was a bear but it, it was purchased out of a sears catalog absolutely yep yep and that's what i shot when i was uh me and my friend bruce actually yep we both bought the same ones and we'd shoot um, it was by today's standards, probably one of the junkiest mm-hmm. compound bows you could possibly get, but we still, it's actually still at my parents' house. Yep. Um, still shoots. I, I could never hit anything with it. <laughs> That's the thing. The accuracy difference. Yep. I mean, there's, there's some serious technology yep. in the bows these days. Yep. They've come a long ways, even since I've been doing this. So I've seen it. Yep. Dusty, what else you got? Hey, you guys talking about uh, poundage on your bow. Uh, tell us a little more about that, if you would, Randy, as far as uh, how do you go about adjusting the poundage yeah. on, on a compound? Most of your bows are adjustable in 10-pound in increments. Um, they'll go 50 to 60 pounds, 60 to 70 pounds, but it's all determined by the, the limb bolts, and that's uh, the bolts that hold your limbs at the base. You basically turn those in or out, and that uh, preloads your limbs more or less, and that, that changes the weight. Most of your pro shop have a, uh, a scale on the wall and we pull it down to the peak weight and then we'll continue to pull it until it lets off and we'll be able to tell you what your uh, holding weight is. It's usually, you know, 80% less of or 70% less than what the peak is. Excellent. Uh, whatever. Okay. Let me say, <clears throat> go with this. Like when, you, when you figure out, once you set up with a, a poundage, mm-hmm. is, there, is there a proper arrow to match up with your poundage or is that just based off of any, let's say, carbon fiber arrow? Can you shoot pretty much anything once you get it tuned in? Uh, no. I mean that you have to run the, the proper spined arrow and we basically take the length of your arrow and the poundage that you're shooting and uh, puts us onto a crossover chart, you know, depending on what brand arrow you get. And uh, that gives us the proper spine arrow and, and every arrow flexes and, uh, you know, your stiffer spined arrows, your stiffer arrows are designed for higher weight and then vice versa, your weaker ones for weaker weight. But arrows are designed to flex. Um, they're not designed to be stiff right out of the bow. So aluminum, there's a hundred different sizes, but carbon, there's there's actually only a handful. And if you don't have the right spined arrow, you'll never get peak performance out of your bow. So it's pretty important to have that determined right too. So so what you're saying is if you're going in to buy arrows for your bow, you, you probably should have your bow with you and, and try yes. to get the proper arrows to fit your setup. Yep, definitely. And, and even some of your arrow rests are designed for certain diameter arrows too. So you definitely need to have your bow with you when you go in to do that process. Excellent. Yeah, I see, a, you know, there's a ton of guys go out and walk into, let's say, Dick Sporting Goods and buy yeah. a pack arrows. Yeah, I mean That's- it'll shoot them, but you know the other the other thing is you don't want to get too light of an arrow um, for your bow, and you don't want to be having uh, the wrong length arrow either. So you definitely want to be set up right when it comes to arrows. They need to be cut to your length. I mean, they're it's a custom thing. Absolutely. I think uh, I think I'm going to be a good test case for Randy. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I want to yeah. I want to get a full rundown of all the things I was doing wrong. So I can figure out what to do right. We can do that. We may we may need a report back on this, Randy. We can do that. A report card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. A, B, C, D, and F. We're probably in pretty good shape. <laughs> probably in pretty good shape. Right. But we'll just double check it and make sure everything's safe. Uh, here, here's the interesting thing is that bow that I have had, um, I've killed quite a few deer with it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. So it might be the, I might have done a lot of things wrong. But it still shoots deer. Yeah, absolutely. And I've uh, I've got customers, like I said, I see bows that are 35 years old, and those guys are the first ones at the deer check station every That's right. every year. So it's it's not a matter of that. Every bow right. will shoot. Um, the difference is the technology, right. um, the, you know, less vibration, all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, and I suppose there's still this whole element of being a good hunter. Oh yeah, the weapon is oh yeah a variable, yeah. but yep. not as much as being the hunter. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, you talked about. Um, Rests, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about rests a little bit more. A whisker biscuit. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on that? Um, one of my biggest selling arrow rests, um, whisker biscuits and dropaways. One's full containment, you know, full contact, mm-hmm. and the other one is uh, no contact. So there's a big contrast there. 
And I've seen people shoot whisker biscuits as well as people do with uh, with dropaways. The big thing is is that the the arrows need to be set up for a whisker biscuit rest. Um, you can't run like a, a helical feather fletch through a whisker biscuit. It's, there's too much drag there. Yep. It's not going to be accurate. But they actually design small um, fletching that cuts through those pretty good. And they do make different diameters for different uh, diameter arrows. So they're okay. Um, I don't have any issues with them. Dropaways are more accurately just inherent. I mean, they're going to be more accurate because there's no contact there. So gotcha. What's the like? What's the degree of error between the two? Um, like, if you've got, uh, let's make it just a simple chart. If if the drop away is a ten, what a whisker biscuit is a eight, seven, probably a, a nine, six or seven, six or seven. Yeah, that much difference there is, and mostly in forgiveness. If you have a bad hand position or torque the bow at all, it forces your veins or your fletching harder into that arrow rest because it's full contact yep. than a drop away. With a drop away rest, your uh, your your arrow rest drops before the fletching gets to the arrow rest. So if you have a bad shot, you're not throwing your fletching harder into your arrow rest. Okay. So there's less contact there. Gotcha. Um, Dusty, what kind of uh, rest are you using? You know, a uh, whisker biscuit. Mm-hmm. You're doing a whisker biscuit. Okay. Yeah, whisker gotcha. biscuit. Uh, this, that's what I like, and I, I'll try it for a good while. That, that's You know, that's where I'm at with it. Okay. Like I said, I've seen guys shoot them great. So, they're, I mean, I have no issues with them at all. Gotcha. I, I was just amazed that there is a variation between that and a drop away, though. I wouldn't have thought that, but that's, uh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, what's the effective range of my bow? That's mostly determined by the shooter, and and I get that question a lot too. Um, I basically tell people an eight-inch diameter circle. You need to be able to keep all your arrows in that, and that's your effective range. Now, I mean, some people can do that at 60, 70 yards, but I mean, generally, you know, 30, 40 yards. If you can keep that in there, in that eight-inch diameter, every arrow, then that's your effective range. I mean, yes, we can shoot 50, 60, 70 yards, but there's still that lag time from when you squeeze the trigger to when the arrow gets there. Um, that that animal can move a couple of steps. Right. So, I mean, that even though you're hitting where you're aiming, that object isn't there anymore yeah. or it's moved. So yeah. ethically, you know, that's that's up to the hunter. But I generally, if you really want to know, you know, what your effective range is, that eight-inch rule usually. Okay. I mean, that's the kill zone on an animal. Yeah. Um, so... One of the things we talked about last week, Dusty, is uh, practice. How often should somebody practice? It depends. Um, I mean, a lot of people will, will store it under their bed until, uh, you know, three weeks before the season. And, you know, the way the bows are designed these days, you can you can get away with that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the people that really, really shoot well, they pick it up every couple of weeks, you know, and just shoot in the backyard or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you want to stay on top of yeah. it. When you were doing competitive shooting, how often did you shoot? Every day. Every day. Yeah, you had to, to be competitive, and you still have to. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like golf, I guess, in a lot of ways. Yep. You know, you don't want to. It's a lot like golf. You might get up and have a couple of good shots right away, but by yep. the end of the round, you're you're all over the place. Yep, yep. It's very much like golf. Yep, interesting. Dusty, what else you got? Well, what's the on a percentage scale? The the old recurves, human error plays a major factor in that. How did the compound bow take away the factor uh, of human error on a percentage scale? Say say a compound bow is fifty percent likely to pick up human error. Is there a percentage you can give us, Randy, that would tell us how much a compound bow compensates for human error? Um, it, it's it's hard to say, but it's you could still make a mistake. Probably seventy five percent, I suppose. So it compensates seventy five percent that much because you have reference points. Um, I always tell people think of it in, in rifle terms. Um, you got a front sight and a rear sight on a rifle, and you know with a with a compound bow, you've got a peep sight in the string, which is like your rear sight, and then a front sight on the bow. So I mean, if you were shooting your rifle without that rear sight, you have no sight plane, and it, it's definitely not as accurate. So the more reference points you have, the more accurate you're going to be. Right on. Is there okay? Is there uh, any kind of add-ons that somebody can do to their bow without taking it into to a shop that would help them shoot a little more accurate, a little more squared up? Is there something that you can recommend that they can do on their own? Stabilizers are probably the big thing. Um, a lot of people don't don't put stabilizers on their bow because they don't want to deal with the weight, uh, the added weight to their bows, but uh, they help out a lot. They, uh, they take some vibration out of the bow, but they help to balance the bow out. So you want your bow to, to go straight forward towards the target after the shot and with the right stabilizer um that would do that so that those tighten up your groups a lot yeah stabilizer definitely levels out the bow in your hand that's for 
for sure. Yep, yep, for sure. All right, tell me about a dry fire. It's a bad subject. Oh, I don't like bad. to hear it. That's bad news. It, I had a few of those It's today. real bad. Tell me, tell me what happens when somebody accidentally or just, it happens. It, it's going to happen. Yep. There's no way There's no way around it. It happens. It is, everybody makes a mistake. Yep. Tell us what happens when a dry fire occurs. Uh, the bow is designed to have the weight of that arrow. Um, when it doesn't have the weight of that arrow, it, it, it's dry fired, obviously. And uh, a number of things can happen. The way the bows are these days, all the cam and everything are very skeletonized. So, I mean, you could potentially rip the side out of your cam. I mean, definitely strings and cables are going to break. Um, not always, but generally that's that's the rule. Um, axles that hold your cams in, they'll bend. It's not a good thing to do. It's not yeah, good. Yeah, for, for sure. Not good at all. So how, how do you prevent a dry fire? You just don't pull it back unless you've got something I'll tell you knocked the, up? The biggest reason why bows are dry fired is because their buddies want to pull it back. Um I tell people, don't let your buddies pull back. It's your bow. Um, and, and don't don't pull it back unless you have an arrow at it in it and, and you're going to shoot at a target. Um, there's really no reason to pull your bow back without an arrow in it. It's just asking for bad news. And now we actually lock most of the bows on the rack, not because we don't want people pulling them back, but it's embarrassing for people when it happens. So, you know, we right. go through all the safety stuff before they actually have the bow in their hand so that doesn't happen. Um, and I suggest that people lock their, their strings, you know, at home too. That way there's no chance of somebody just picking it up and letting it go right they yeah, sell you yeah. know just little uh, plastic locks that go on there yeah. and they come off real easy and it prevents that whole issue because it always happens at the worst time middle of always. Season. oh yeah. it's all it seems like it's a week before season yep. you're out shooting with your buddies yep. you know and next thing you know you're in a dry fire situation where you've got a trash bow yeah it happens i mean most of it is fixable so but it's still uh you know you get all tuned in with your bow and then that right. happens it's it's a downer what happens to me a lot is uh either my kids want to try to pull it and they're not, they can't, they're not strong enough pull it all the way back yeah um but it still must do some tension on that the string itself it can't be well the worst thing it. is if they did get it back and couldn't get it right, down right. you know that's normally what right. happens right what my biggest problem is that i'm one of the few hunters in my circle of friends that are that i went to like school with and things like that like i i was kind of like the anomaly yep um but boy, you you put a bow in front of one of those guys, mm-hmm. like oh my god, a bow! Yep. I always wanted to pull one back. All about it. So what do they do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they walk right over to it. First thing, <laughs> it slips right out of the hand. Yeah, uh, you got that whole that, uh, thing going on. Perfect, you know, f- for the lock because then you can explain to them before they even grab the bow. Yeah, what the deal is with it. Yeah. So these days, what I do is I don't put the bow within sight if I'm having a, a party or inviting some of them hide over. Hide in the closet. I hide it. <laughs> I, I I move my four wheeler up the road to. My my friend's house. Yep. <laughs> so nothing comes back broken. There you go. That's a good plan. I like that. <laughs> that is a good plan. <laughs> yep. That's the only way I know how to get by it. All right. Let's talk a little bit about arrows. Um, carbon or aluminum. Those, those are the two big advances or the carbon's been the big advance mm-hmm. in the last 10 years, right? Yep. Cause I think when I first started, uh, getting serious about shooting for hunting, it was all aluminum and the, the carbons just came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The carbons, you know, 15 years ago left a lot to be desired. There were, there were, they had seams in them. So if they, if they broke in an animal, there would be splinters to deal with and all that. But now they're, they're a cross weave design. So if they do break, they break clean. They're very safe. Um, and the price was a big thing back then too. They were very expensive, but now aluminum and carbon, they're on even, you know, as far as uh, the price goes. So. The big advantage is you could shoot less weight and get more speed. Right. And if you actually do the math um, with kinetic energy, you're not losing anything um, because you're gaining so much speed with that right. carbon arrow. And it flattens your trajectory. If you're off from your distance five yards, you're still a kill shot. Where if you're, you're slower with an aluminum arrow, you've got to be right on with your with your distance judging. Gotcha. Um, so the, the price point on the carbons have come down. A lot. To the point where they're the same. Mm-hmm. Same price point. They're shorter in general. Is that correct? Shorter or? in length? Yep. Uh, not or necessarily. No. 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 Okay. Nope. Same length, just lighter in, in construction. Gotcha. Um, most of them are around seven grains per inch, where an aluminum arrow will be 11, 12 okay. grains per inch. Gotcha. Big weight difference there. Thinner? Um, thinner in diameter, okay. um, but the same wall thickness as aluminum. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So are they hollow like aluminum? Yep. They are hollow. Yep. Gotcha. See, I don't, sh- I don't shoot carbons. I still, I'm still stuck in 1996. Yep. Uh, with my aluminum. So I'm thinking, I don't know much about carbons, although I've had friends that were shooting them. Yeah. They're, uh, you know, a lot of people shot overdraws, you know, and stuff like that back, back then right. too. Right. That was the other thing. Overdraws. Yeah, a lot those, of those. Those are gone now. And the, the reason why they came out with overdraws was to, to shoot a lighter arrow 
arrow to get the weight down on the arrow. Mm -hmm. Well, now you can accomplish that with a full length arrow with a carbon. So you're accomplishing the th same thing without having to do that. Gotcha. Dusty, what are you what? shooting? <clears throat> carbon. Carbon. Okay. Carbon fire. Right. Okay. Let me, let me ask you this, Randy, while we got you in that, in yep. the arrow mode, yep. what, what's the difference in knockdown and carbon and aluminum? If you, as far as when, when, when the impact hits. Yeah. If you do the math, um, and you take, take an arrow that weighs 350 grains and get it shooting 280, 290 feet per second. And then say you've got an aluminum arrow that's 500 grains, but it's only shooting 220. If you do the kinetic energy math, they're going to be within a pound or two or of each other and you might even gain more um you know with a carbon arrow the thing is arrows they're not designed to knock down you're never going to have the kind of kinetic energy that you have you know with, with a bullet they're designed to kill by cutting um so you know maximum you might get 60 70 foot pounds of energy which is nowhere near you know what a bullet would be so right, you're, you know they kill by by clean cuts excellent talk about uh, fletchings yeah, differences. that's, that's there, a big thing. A, yeah, there's a lot of different fletchings out there. There is. Over the past couple of years, um, everything has gone smaller. Um, the majority of your veins now are about two inches where, you know, five or six years ago, there were four or five, you know, in that neighborhood. What they've done is they've changed the materials and the profile of fletching. There are a little bit higher profile, but a stiffer material. Um, so they actually steer the arrow as good, if not better, than a softer four-inch vein would. The reason why they can use that stiffer material is because of the dropaway rests and the whisker biscuit style rest because they cut right, right on there. The, so the arrow rest designs have kind of tailored to be able to use those smaller veins. Right on. Jay, what's the next question you got for Randy? All right, this is a good one. Um, I love this question because this is this kind of sits home with everybody. It's about dollar price. Yeah. Um, what's the difference between a $1,000 bow and a $300 bow? We get that a lot too. Um, mostly it's in materials and workmanship. If you Say your top of the line, you know, Hoyt model bow, it's, it's going to have a carbon fiber riser, all tubular carbon, you know, just like a, a bicycle frame would have. So there's a lot of workmanship in, in that, that yep. riser. And then your lower end bows are going to have what's called a cast riser. And then your medium range bows will have a machined riser where it's taken out of a solid piece of aluminum and machine cut. Um, performance wise, there's not a huge difference between the three of them, but, uh, you know, quality rise and, and tolerance and, and all that, there's a big difference there. Um, Carbon's very light and it's very stiff and it stays warm when it's cold out. Your aluminum has been around for, you know, a long time. That's that's kind of the norm, the, the machined aluminum riser. Um, but you're going to have differences in, in, in how they're designed as far as uh, what they have for vibration reduction stuff on them too. There's a difference. You won't necessarily see it sitting on the rack, but you'll see you'll feel it when you shoot it. When okay. you shoot a $300 bow versus a $1,000 bow, you're going to feel some difference there. Yeah. I know when I went from my bear and then actually I went from a bear to... I bought a used darton yep. off of my buddy, mm -hmm. and I was impressed because he could hit the bullseye, and I couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> no matter how hard I try. Yep. And and that was the the bear I bought out of the Sears catalog. Yep. The bears today, I'm sure, blow that away. Oh yeah. That was yeah. like a fifty dollar bow. Yep. Back in 1985 or something sure. like that, yep. right? Um. Then the bow that I'm shooting today, the MQ32. Was at that time, I think I paid about a thousand dollars. Yeah, thereabouts. Yep, and it was night and day. Yes, even from the Darton, which I thought was pretty good at that time. And you probably had that bow set up for you. Absolutely, I yeah, did. That makes a big difference too. You never had the Darton set up for you. It, right, it was set up for who had it previously. Yep, and uh, that goes back to you know having it set for you. You're mm -hmm. gonna shoot it better. Yep. yep. Uh, this was the first bow that I bought that didn't come off the rack. I mean, this thing was designed for me. Yep, made for me, and I was shooting accurately from. Day one. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference there. Yep. Huge difference. Um, we talked a little bit about um, fletchings and veins, and one of the questions that you wrote down for me was, what's the advantage of the new small veins? Tell me about that. The big advantage is, is again, it's weight and trajectory. Um, there's less drag there. So, again, you're going to gain some speed, which means you can be off on your distance judging a little bit more even. So, it's it's all just trying to make the bows more forgiving for human error. Okay. And it, it, it does that. Gotcha. Dusty, what else you got? From a master bow technician, today, Randy, if you was walking in to buy a brand new bow, knowing what you know, what's your choice 
on putting behind your shot? What, what are you buying today? If you went to buy one today, what's the best out there? There's a lot of good bows. They're all good. Um, the, we, we want the absolute best, best you can buy, yep. the best shooting, smoothest, money. The, the most bang for your buck. Yep. Money, money, no object? No object. Yeah. Okay. I shoot a carbon element from Hoyt. Um, it's, a, it's a whole different level bow. There's uh, there's the machine riser bows that are out there, and they're, they're great. They're awesome bows, but this thing is a, a totally different machine. Um, it's the lightest, most balanced thing out there. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Is it a fairly new bow? It's, uh, the design has been out for three or four years, mm-hmm. but they've, uh, you know, done little refinements to it every year. Right. And, uh, the new model comes out in a couple of weeks. So yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a, quite a rig. It seems to me that every, every bow company goes through this metamorphosis and every year they've got to put out a new bow or every two years. Yeah. Why is that? Is it just to keep up with the Joneses or is there actually something that's improving in the marketplace to help the hunter? I mean, you know, they have to sell bows. So it's, okay. uh, you know, they want to come out with new technology every year so that people, you know, buy bows every year. Right. But the thing is, the technology is, you can feel it. I mean, you can see it. So they're they're making leaps and bounds almost every year on technology. Yep. I mean, these bows now, they do not vibrate. There's no shock. It's, uh, they're very impressive. And that's all the way through the line, whether it's a $300 bow or a thousand dollar bow gotcha is there is, any is that good dusty good say a bow manufacturer have you noticed uh you know you're working on them all the time does, does every bow that come in pretty much have the same exact setup and the same exact the machining is it all the same or is there some things that you've noticed on different bows that have to tweak a little bit with different each bow you get your hands on yeah i mean i work on any make and model so i i see them all um as far as how they operate, they're all pretty close to the same. But, you know, materials, workmanship, um, you know, stuff like that, technology in them, they're all a little bit different. Oh, excellent. What about uh, resale value on old bows? Um, is, is there a market for them or is it – I know you sell used yeah, bows. Yeah. How is the market? Is it something? Is it desirable? Is there a demand for it? It is. And we kind of have a cutoff. You know, if the bow is three or four years old, we usually don't take it in. But – you know, three or four year old technology is still pretty good technology. Um, and that way we know the bow's in good shape too, if it's not too old, but absolutely there's a market for used bows. Gotcha. Yep. And we do, do a fair amount with it. Should some, if you have the financial wherewithal, should you look at changing out your bow every four years? It, it depends how, uh, how heavy you are into it. You know, if, if you're serious in, into it and you want to keep the value of your bow, yep. don't let it get too old because that's the big thing. Four or five years and then they they lose their value a lot. Gotcha. So that's that's like um, driving the car off the lot, so to speak. Yeah. Four and or five years. If you don't care and you're happy with your bow, then great. You know, shoot it and yep. it'll do everything you want it to do. Um, it, it, bows are designed to last. They're they're way overbuilt these days. They, they're they not going to break. I mean, unless something adverse happens, but they're, they're built very well. Gotcha. Okay. Dusty, you got any more questions? Uh, let's talk about the uh, pens, the, the sight pens. Let's get into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a question Randy wrote down for us to ask. Uh, you know, a single pen or, or a three pen, yep. what what do you recommend for somebody to be shooting? It, it depends on your eyesight, for one thing. I've, you know, some hunters don't have great eyesight. So if you get a really fast bow and you got multiple pins on there, I mean, your pins are so close together that they all look like one anyways. So it's really hard to decipher between your pins. So a lot of people will go with a single pin adjustable sight. Um, and they're huge out west where you could be shooting 60, 70 yards, you know, antelope or something like that or mule deer. Um, that's pretty common practice out there. So by having that single pin, you can range find the animal. You know, if it's uh, 34 yards, you set it for 34 yards and you aim dead on. Where with a right. multiple pin site, you're, you know, going in between pins. Around here, you know, it's it's thick country. You know, 20, 30 yards is usually where your shots are going to be. Um, you know, most people prefer a multiple pin site. Right. Gotcha. I, I know I have, uh, I think I'm shooting three pins. The, when I interviewed Rob Lucas from Chasing Tail, mm-hmm. he said that, I forgot what he's shooting, but I know those guys all bow hunt down there. They, there's yep. no guns. Yep. Um, because they're hunting in such a tight, tight quarters. populated yep. community. Yep. The guy, I think it was John Bassett, he shoots one pin. Mm-hmm. That's it. I think Arky did too. Yeah. It seems like some of the old timers, just one pin, that's it. The bows are fast enough now. You can get away almost to 30 yards with one pin anyhow. Okay. Um, you just learn to compensate a little bit. Um, yep. But they're pretty flat shooting, so you can definitely do something like that. So yep. the 10-yard shot was going to be the same as the 30-yard shot? Pretty close. Yeah, okay. within uh, within a couple inches. Yeah, gotcha. And you learn to compensate just by you know by shooting your bow and learning learning the trajectory of it. 
Gotcha. Yep. How important is it to to uh, hit a 3D archery range? I know you guys have a, a good range over there at, at Morse's. Best practice you can have. Um, is it? Yeah. Okay. They're, uh, they're three-dimensional targets, um, real-life targets versus, you know, having a square bale, and it teaches you to judge distance. That's the biggest thing with, uh, with bow hunting is learning to judge distance. I mean, if you can't tell where that target's 20 or 33 yards or – that's that's a miss. So yeah, that's a that's a huge thing. Is that the best thing you can do as a bow hunter? Um, it's it's one of the best. Yep. yep. Okay. Because I know, like in baseball, they say that one of the best things you can do to hit is just to hit off of a tee, mm-hmm. one of those rubber tees. Yep. Um, in golf, I'm not quite sure what the best thing to do in golf is. Probably just to go out and hit some balls at the range. So you're saying that just getting out there to a, a range that will give you that live real 3D life conditions. Yep. Conditions will, is one of the best things you can do. I mean, you you can shoot all day in your backyard. But you don't have, uh, I mean, some people have pretty elaborate, you know, ranges in their backyard. But if you don't have the, the terrain and stuff like that, it, it doesn't teach you to, to judge distance in those situations. You know, shooting uphill, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that, it, it makes a big difference. What about stump hunting? Like if you go out and just. People still do it. Um, it's a little hard on your arrows these days yep. because the bows are so fast. Um, your recurve people, they do it all the time. Yeah. Um, and it, it, that, it's the same idea as shooting 3D. Okay. Seems like you're going to destroy your arrow you a are, lot, right? You are, yeah. And the arrows aren't cheap these days. Right. I mean, some, you're, you're probably not going to reload the same arrow if, once you hit a stump. I wouldn't recommend it. Right. No. That that brings up an interesting point, Dusty, too, and, and Randy. If you put a bad arrow in your bow, is that going to screw up your bow? Uh, it could screw you up. It could. Yeah. you Carbon arrows, that's the one thing you definitely need to uh, to pay attention to. And there's warning labels right on the arrows. If you group your arrows together and you're smashing your arrows um, and they're making contact, you need to check them um, to make sure that they're not splintered. Uh, the easiest way to do it is you just flex your arrow and you'll hear it or see it crack or anything like that. If it does, if you see splinters or little cracks on each end or whatever, they're no good. No kidding. Yeah. I didn't realize that. So there's actually some safety items there involved is. here. When I mean, yep. there's always safety involved in anything to do. You with have it with aluminum arrows too. Um, you know, thin walled aluminum arrows, same thing. Uh, they they can they can break. If anybody ever sees slow motion video of a bow being shot. The whole thing looks like a piece of spaghetti. Right. Oh, the flex, flex is un- yes. unbelievable flex. And your arrow looks like a piece of spaghetti. So, you know, yeah. any faults in that arrow, it's it's going to gonna get magnified. Yeah, that high-speed camera really yep. slows it down and you can see it. It's, it's not it, worth it for the price of the arrow. It's insane. Yep. Yep. Oh, you're right. Have, have, you, have you guys seen the uh, photo of the arrow sticking through the hand? <laughs> I'll be honest with you, that's a customer of mine. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, he came in uh, a few, few weeks ago and that was a situation where he was given an arrow that was was too short for his bow oh, and wow. uh, didn't realize it and it had fallen off the shelf and, and landed on his hand and when he fired it it went through that's oh, something that, you know it shouldn't happen but but it did wow and uh, i mean that's all stuff it's stuff that you gotta you gotta learn as a bow hunter that you know right. the arrows have to be right a, you know it's years ago you in new hampshire you didn't have to have hunter safety mm. to get a license yep um in fact they didn't change that until fairly recently, uh, what, five, six, seven years ago? Probably closer to 10 at this point. Yep. Yeah. You didn't have to go through a course. You just, bow hunting or using a bow was just like, hey, you might as well just throw a stick at them. Yeah. That's how they took it. That's how the safety yep. was designed. But they've changed that whole thing. How's it like in Ohio, Dusty? Do you have to take courses and, and to get your bow license? Yeah, I'm not 100% on that, Jay. But I think if you had your license prior years to the date that they set, you was available to purchase them over the counter again if you can show a previous record of uh, having the license before okay. the actual date. Um, that you know nowadays they, they recommend a hard safe course and, and you know coming from us here on the big buck registry that, that's something that me and, and you and I know Randy highly recommend mm. to anybody go even the experienced hunter go take a hunter safety course it's simple it's easy it's a refresher for the people that's been doing it for a long time and, and you're going to learn something I, I guarantee it oh yeah you'll you'll pick up something yeah. even even a veteran will pick up something. Yep. yep. Um, let's talk about broadheads a little bit more. We talked about the, the fixed heads and the, um, the, uh, What's the other expandable? Expandable. Yeah. Thank you. Um, the expandables. So, do you need to like take care of your broadheads? Yeah. Okay. Yep. What do I need to do to take care of a broadhead? Um, if you're shooting a fixed blade head and you shoot it into a target, um, 
any style foam target that those blades are dull they're no longer um should be used for hunting and so, that's a big point that's yes. a big point right there yeah because uh, they have to be surgically razor sharp to ensure a good blood trail um so i keep them oiled um when i put them away you know for the season but expandable heads i keep them keep them lubed up and most expandables run on an o-ring which can dry rot right so you want to pay attention to that yep what uh, what do you use to to treat them some kind of an oil uh, unscented gun oil poppies okay. anything like that it just keeps those blades from getting tarnished um, most of your broadheads have a chisel style tip on them those will rust if they get wet right so if you keep a coat of that on there they'll keep that from happening yep they're well, not cheap i mean you know so if you take care of them they'll last yep i, I, I see that when uh somebody you know th- this is gonna be a good point i think randy will back me on this is whenever you put your arrow in your quiver it don't need to be sunk way down in there no no that's that's a mistake that a lot of hunters make that they, they, they think that the arrow and the broadhead should be sunk way down in the quiver for support. Yeah. And really, all you want is to tip in there and leave the blades exposed. Yeah, because uh, just pushing your blades in and out of that hood foam, it dulls them every time you do that. That's okay. correct. Yep. Wow. Um, what type of, uh, type of brands are out there for broadheads these days? Oh, there's a lot. It seems like there's the catalog just grows and yep. grows and grows. There's a lot. And a lot of them are similar in design, but I mean, you've got cotton diameters on expandables up to two and a half, two and three quarter inches. Yep. Uh, most of your fixed blades are inch, you know, inch and a quarter. Uh, but NAP makes good stuff. Um, G5, uh, Rage, that's a big one. There, there's a lot of good ones out there. Muzzy's still good these days? Muzzy's still good. They're kind of going through a, a change, you know, to keep up with the times. Mm-hmm. Their designs have been the same for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're, you know, re, redoing that and coming out with some, some new stuff that, that'll be good. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I've heard, I've heard a lot of things about Swacker. Swackers are great too. Yeah. We sell a lot of those. That's a, that's a good broadhead. How do you decide what the weight should be? Generally, you've got 85 or, or 75 on the light end of the scale, um, 100 grain being the medium and the most popular, and then 125. 100 grain is by far the most popular. And usually, unless you have some sort of out-of-whack setup, I mean, 100 grain will work for you, and you have the most selection with broadheads with that. Okay. But, you know, sometimes you need a 125 grain tip to get your arrows to, to group well. Right. So most of the time, all the companies do is put some sort of weight collar on, you know, the same broadhead that makes it 125. Oh, that's it? You don't gain anything as far as cutting diameters usually or anything like that. Yeah. So it's just basically you're gaining 25 grains. Used to be that the bigger the, the grain weight, the bigger the broadhead. Yeah. But it's not that way anymore. Gotcha. Interesting. All right, let's talk about this other thing that you brought in. You said it's uh, when you walked in, you said this is big. This is really big in the market right now, and it's it's crossbow. Yeah, crossbows are huge. Yeah, let's talk about crossbows for a little while. And I know in Ohio they are they are huge. Yep, Dusty, you were talking about a crossbow, right? Yeah, I've got a I got to lay it down. I went to a crossbow, guys. Mm-hmm. You had a you said you had a, a bad shoulder. Um, and that pulling back a bow with your right shoulder um, was not going to really feel all that good anymore. So you, yeah, went, to, that, go ahead. you yeah. went to the crossbow yeah. from there, correct? Yeah, I sure did. I actually went to a off-brand. Uh, I've tried something out of the ordinary. Uh, I, I'm hoping to shoot a, a monster chubby tines with it. I went with what's called a SA Sports Fever. Mm-hmm. It's a recurve. It's a recurve. Yep. Now, Randy, why are uh, crossbows becoming so popular? Well, partly the, uh, the hunting community is getting older okay uh, and it's not just that but uh, they're a very effective tool in new hampshire we utilize them for you know down in the southern part of the state where quarters are tight it's easier to get permission with a crossbow than it would be a firearm right so they're legal here during the firearms season um but you know in other states uh, pennsylvania new jersey ohio they're legal during the regular bow hunting season right so you know if if for some reason you've got an injury or you, it's just not comfortable for you to pull back a bow you can still be out there and uh we've got a lot of customers that are in their you know early 70s late 60s and they just they can't pull a bow anymore right. but they still want to hunt so it gets them out there and that's uh that's what they're for is it hard to pull back the string a lot of them have a uh either a, a rope cocker which takes 50 percent of that weight off just by mechanical advantage they have rollers built in or they've got uh, a cocking device that's built right into the stock and they crank up just like yep. a winch so no not really gotcha so with the um the advent of the hunting community hunting community getting older mm-hmm. you must be starting to work on more 
crossbows than ever before. We do. Yeah. We sell a lot more every year. It's our biggest growing thing. No kidding. Yes. I know that my father-in-law, my wife's uncle, Mm -hmm. um, they've all gone to crossbows because they have uh, one blew out his shoulder completely. Yep. The other one uh, technically is handicapped and can't. Yep. Um, And it seems like that's the advent of where bow hunting is going. They'd be sitting on the couch if if, if they weren't given that opportunity. These guys can't sit still during hunting. They have to be outside. And it gets them out there. Yep. 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 And it gives them- are you calling me old, Jack? I wasn't calling you old, Dusty. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, it's, it's, it seems like the, the Cadillac of the hunting industry is going the crossbow. That's crazy. Yeah. I would love to shoot a crossbow. I actually haven't yet. Um, I know the technology is just light years from where it was. I think a lot of people, you know, sometimes they get a bad name from the bow hunting community. Mm-hmm. And it's better off that everybody stays together. But uh, it, it's not that big of an advantage. Yeah. You know, there's always still, been a stigma that it was a cheating. Yeah, you gave, gave yourself an edge over the wildlife. It's not. I mean, it's it's got to be. You know, it's pulled back. It, it's all cocked back. But you know, it's still a bow, just horizontal. So I mean, yeah. you've got trajectory. Everything else still applies. Right. I would love to try a, a, a crossbow during hunting season, during rifle season. I think that would yep. be a hoot. Yep. Um. Otherwise, I still like my bow. Like I think I'm better yeah. with my bow than I would be at a crossbow. But I'd still like to give it a shot. But if you had an injury or a shoulder problem or something in it a kept heartbeat, you, yeah. Fortunately, yep. right now. Um, um, I think technically I might be older than Dusty. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so far, nothing's broken. Yeah, up, up on the upper upper shoulders. So too, too many years of hay bailing, I think, for me. That's true, Dusty. You, yeah, you you've worked your shoulder pretty pretty much. Yeah, uh, do it hard, it, hard. It, it's it's too, it, it's at the point where it's either make the change or make a mistake with a big one. Well, it becomes an accuracy thing too. If you can't hold steady, you know, you're you're just being more ethical by doing what you're doing yep that's exactly right i don't want to get in that situation where i'm drawn back and you know there's always that waiting period to make the the a good clean shot and I, I don't want to be in that situation where i accidentally slip up hit my release and you know here yeah. i've got a deer stuck in the hind quarters right. i don't want that yeah nobody wants that yep. so you're saying that a crossbow really is as accurate as a regular bow or more so or mm. about the same i get that question a lot too a good archer with a regular bow will shoot more accurate than a crossbow okay yeah i mean it's it's pretty close but right. but yeah okay it's, a, a crossbow is different let me talk about that for a quick second it's different you know yeah, you're, you're shooting one, it so i want to hear dusty's it, perspective it it's different you know it's it's a lot out in front of you to one for hold and be steady with yep. it, it, it don't it don't have a counterbalance area where you can put a uh, balancing weight on the on the bow yep. it's a it's a lot out in front of you you know it's a lot to sit there and hold because hanging a crossbow uh you can do it but it's more ready to go in your hand sitting across your lap so you know naturally i went with a lighter one i shopped around I, I, you know my bang for my buck i, I did great i think it's going to be a great bow and you know the eight inch pattern that we're talking about earlier randy was telling us that you know i can stick four arrows at you know 40 30 40 yards no problem six to eight inches at all you know it it flies good shoots good accurate i, I can't be more happy with it i think most but, people use you know a shooting stick or something because they don't hold very steady offhand right that's so, correct yeah interesting it's it's it's, it's, it's oddball you know it's kind of weird something to get used to and then, you know i like it and i'm going to stick with it for now gotcha i want to um move on just a couple of little aspects of the bow itself stuff that i've always kind of wondered about um what about peep sights uh i mean my peep sight one time was about as thin as you could get and i couldn't even see through the thing mm-hmm. so i made some alterations to it yep um what kind of peep sights are on the market what, what do you what do you put in bows i mean what should i be thinking about when i consider a peep sight uh well i noticed you wear glasses yes so they actually have corrective lens peep sights now no kidding yes and i have a lot of customers that come in and and they can't see their pins their pins are blurry well we can put a peep sight in that'll clear that up um you know the the peep sight designs have changed a lot now the the bows are shorter axle to axle length so you have to have an angled peep um so it's nice and square to your eye when you get to full draw Mm -hmm. so they've come a long ways with that stuff too okay gotcha um, this, this is, I'm just dissecting the bow mm-hmm. as I think you, as somebody that doesn't know a lot about it, mm-hmm. um, would wonder what the heck is this thing for? Yep. All right. So we got peep sight out of the way. What the string that goes from. 
the bow itself to the string, the rubber. Oh, the uh, the, the alignment tube. There. Yes, yeah. it's, it's the alignment tube. How important is that thing? Well, if you if you have a, a string that's not a balanced bowstring, which means that string will twist as you draw back, you need that rubber tube to align your peep sight so it's straight at full draw. Right. Now, a lot of the companies now have, uh, there's some really good strings out there. They're a balanced bowstring. So when you draw back, your peep sight stays straight hmm. without that rubber tube. Gotcha. So Now, that rubber tube has, um, that's the one thing that hmm. is my nemesis on my bow. Yep. It gets dried out. If I don't pay attention to it, I end up, it's it snapped off in my face a few mm-hmm. times, and I've missed deer because of the stupid mm-hmm. thing. Um, I guess of all the things that are on the bow, that's one of the things you actually have to pay attention to a lot. You wouldn't have to, though, because you need a new string anyway. So right. you should get a balanced bow string, right. and you can eliminate that whole that whole situation. Oh, no kidding. Yep. Oh, that's yep. pretty cool. Yep. Um, the, the stabilizer. Mm-hmm. You see them on all bows. They've been on every bow. There's always a spot to put one. There's always a screw hole to put yep. one in there. Yep. How important is a stabilizer? Um, you know, sometimes you won't notice it at 15 or 20 yards, but if you, you know, start backing up 30 and 40 yards, your groups are going to get tighter. Um, the thing is everything's bolted on fairly high on your bow, your sight, your quiver and all that stuff. And you need a counterbalance on the bottom to keep that bow level. Ideally, you want to try to have the bow sit fairly level with an open grip and not tip forward or back too much. Yeah. Sometimes you can't accomplish it perfect, but anything's better than nothing. Gotcha. The, um, the strap that goes around your hand. Yeah, the wrist strap. Is that an essential piece? Um, you want to have a relaxed grip when you shoot the bow. That's the biggest uh, the biggest accuracy uh, problem with bows is people grabbing their bows too tight. So with that wrist strap on, it allows you to have a loose grip, mm-hmm. and that catches the bow versus your hand catching it. So, uh, yeah, as far as an accuracy standpoint goes, it's, it's a big one. Gotcha. Yep. Um, the cams that are on the, today's market, um, they've changed from where they were oh, yeah. 15 years ago. Yep. What type of technology has, where's the evolution of, of the cam? Where has it come from and where is it today? Well, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was basically a round wheel. Um, and they have a string side, which is round, and then they've got a cam side of the wheel um, that's a little bit oblong. Well, now it's all energy. I mean, it's all an energy wheel. So the cams are three, four times the size as they were back then. So a lot more let off. Um, the other big thing is the years years ago, you had wheels that were kind of spongy. When you got back to full draw, there was, you know, some sponginess back there. Now they've got draw stops where these bows actually like lock into full draw so it's more consistent gotcha interesting dusty what else you got uh yeah string silencers let's talk a little bit about string silencers Ooh, good one that's yep. a good one yep um, there's a lot of good ones out there. Um, you just got to keep in mind if you have, you know, one of those balanced bow strings, whenever you put something into the string, it can affect your, your peep sight rotation as it deteriorates. Um, but there's a lot of good ones that go on the outside of your string. Now you're also seeing these, uh, string dampening systems that the bows are coming out with and they're stock. And it's basically a dampener that goes right below the grip of your bow. Mm-hmm. And it comes mm-hmm. out and makes contact with the string so that mm-hmm. you don't need a silencer. It stops mm-hmm. that string oscillation after the shot. So, yeah, that makes a big difference. Interesting. Right. On. Okay. On, on like a, let's say, talk about the sight window a little bit. Is there most of bows, is that is that a different uh, set placement on every bow? Or is that pretty standard, the sight window area? They're all drilled. Uh, they call it an AMO standard um, so that everything fits, you know, on pretty much any sight window. But uh-huh. some of your shorter axle bows have a very small sight window. And if somebody sure. has a very low anchor point, you may not even be able to shoot that bow. So, I mean, that's when you go in to buy a bow, that's that's a big factor, too. Yep. Explain uh, brace height. Yeah, brace height is the distance um, from the grip to the string. To try to keep it simple here, if it's seven inches and above, you'll have a very forgiving bow. Um, Below seven inches, you'll have a fast bow, but very difficult to shoot. Um, we don't recommend, you know, under seven inches for anybody that's fairly new at shooting. If you've got a consistent form and you have to have, you know, a ton of speed, then, then you can go that route. But we generally try to keep it seven inches and above. Right. Is that something that can be changed by different grips or how does that, how do you determine where your brace height, how do you change it or? Technically, or, uh, your bows are designed to a certain, um, brace okay, height. It's, it's uh, right in the design. It is. Yeah. Grip has nothing to do with the brace height. Not necessarily. It's, it's, you know. Your less brace height bows have uh, more of what's called a reflex, where the grip is way behind the limb pockets of the bow. 
Right. Uh, if you if you if you buy a new bow, can you change out grips, different grips for different hands? Most of your your, your big manufacturers, yeah. Um, I know Hoyt's got uh, three or four different grips you can put on their bows. Just about every company does. But there's also a lot of custom grip companies out there, so right. that you can get you know there's torqueless grips. There's some really good stuff out there. Yeah, that brings out you know that's a good point there. It may be you got a great bow. Mm-hmm. It may just be the wrong grip for you. Yep. Yeah, that's very true. And it, it'll throw you off quite a bit. You know, I noticed that when I was shooting compound that that I did do a grip change and man it made a major difference the way the bow fit in my hand yeah. as far as being able to release the pressure from trying to hold the bow. Even the material. Um, a lot of people like a rubber grip because it's nice and uh, it, it's soft and it's warm when it's cold mm-hmm. but they're also sticky so it can make you torque the bow more than, than a wood grip will. That's a good point. Right. Yeah. yeah. Never yeah. thought about yeah. that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You won't see too many of your top end um, target shooters shooting with any grip. They basically shoot right off the bare riser of the bow because it's more consistent it's more squared off and they can they can feel their grip more consistent that right. way yeah that's interesting that's very interesting all right let's talk about that the piece where all the action kind of happens and we haven't we need to go talk about some um some uh releases too at yep. some point um just to that piece where the release touches the bowstring I've seen all kinds of variations. Yeah. It's like I've seen the the release wrap around the bow itself mm-hmm. or the bowstring itself. Yep. You've got the knocks there to know where to place the, the the release, but I've also seen the string yep. that tied on one side and the other and you hook onto the string. What's the best, most appropriate setup there? We do the majority with a string loop, which is the you hook your release to the, the loop that we tie onto the string. Mm-hmm. Um, there's metal versions out there, which they work okay. Um, but the whole thing with that string loop is that it puts you behind the pressure point of the arrow. So you're not pushing up on the arrow like you would with a knock point. Um, all the forces are behind the arrow instead of below it. Yep. Um, but it also allows you to kind of torque that string a little bit and not be torquing the main string of the bow. Gotcha. Um, which you can't do with like a metal style loop. So string loops are... They're easy to replace. They last a long time. I mean, we we do the majority with that. Okay. Yeah. I always wondered about that because my setup right now is my release is metal and it yep. connects onto the string itself. It always seemed like it was kind of a bad idea. Do you have a knock point? There is a knock point. Yeah. Yep. See, the, the situation with your bow is a short axle. If you draw back and let down, you have to re-knock your arrow because it pinches off the string. Right. You don't have that with a string loop. Okay. You draw back and let down, it stays seated. So having a string loop is probably the most appropriate thing to do. It would uh, help with your accuracy quite a bit. Okay. Yep. All right. Interesting. Um, I, I know I know a few people that's ran into, they were shooting a release right off the string and and they didn't realize at the time the damage that was being caused there. Yeah, it, there's definitely a pinch point there. And uh, we reserve a lot of bows w- when they have knock points because it, it just it separates that serving. And if you don't realize it, you're, then you start cutting into your string. Right. And that, uh, yeah. Something I need a, to do. Yeah. That's a disaster zone there. Yep. Yep. What about the, uh, the releases themselves? Have those advanced any yeah yeah i mean you've got uh you know just with rifle triggers you've got adjustable triggers and all that now we have releases that uh have infinite adjustment as far as you know the way to pull the travel everything um you know you've got your index finger releases and and you've also got thumb releases out there Uh, most of your target shooters will shoot a thumb style release but still a lot of your hunters like the wrist strap model uh index finger releases because they're attached to your wrist yeah when you you say thumb release is that something that you like is you talking about the the release that's gripped in, in yep. your fingers? Yeah, they're a handheld release, usually machined aluminum, um, right. and those have a lot of uh, travel adjustment. I mean, you can get those right down to a couple pounds of uh, wow. pull. So, yeah. Do people shoot fingers anymore? Very few. Is that right? Yeah, the bows just aren't designed for it. Yeah. Um, years ago, all the bows were 40, 44 inches in axle. Now, it's hard to find one over 34. Right. And there's just too severe of an angle there. It just doesn't work. Um, people do it, but it's not, yeah. the bows aren't designed for it. I still have my old glove and, uh, you yep. know, I just, I can't get anywhere close to the accuracy as no. I can with a release. No. Not even close. Nope. It's crazy. Well, guys, we're coming, uh, we're beyond an hour now and, uh, I'm sure Randy needs to get home. That went by quick. And you get, you have a very short drive. I'm pretty sure the traffic is pretty clear. Right I now. think I can make it. I think you can make it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, across the street, huh? Exactly. Um, uh. the commute home will be pretty, 
uneventful, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Dusty, anything uh, anything from you to wrap this up a little bit? You know, Randy, we, we appreciate your time, and, and we're, we're doing an informal getting you on here for everybody to kind of understand the aspect of a compound bow versus a crossbow, yep. safety tips, techniques, you know, different things. And I, I think you've covered about all you can cover with us today, and we really appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, Randy, that was awesome. You, you really spilled your guts, and we appreciate it. Well, it's good to educate people with, with all this stuff. Absolutely. There's a lot out there. A lot of questions. I learned so we, much tonight. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah I'm going to tell Jay right now. We we need to have you back on for another session, Randy. I think we can get a little more deeper than what we are tonight. Absolutely. I know it's a long walk, but I can yeah. uh, I can probably make it happen. All right, and I, I promise to fill you up with another Mike's Hard Lemonade. Those are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, I do. I would like appreciate a report card. Um, what are you going to grade me on? Um, you know, maintenance on your bow and, and, and if the bow is actually set up for you and okay. do you shoot a fixed blade broadhead? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they're, if they're tuned good, like I said, every arrow has got to come out of your okay. quiver has got to be the same. So do you do the same report card for everybody that walks in or, uh, I mean, do you just kind of like, I just get into it and make it the way I, I want it to be? Yeah. I mean, I'll make suggestions to you, yeah. you know, but I, I'm pretty, pretty laid back with that. I right. try not to change it too much. Okay. Well, I'm going to post my report card on the blog mm-hmm. when this thing airs and I want to see how I did and. And then make all those notes about the things that I can improve because I yeah. bet there are a lot of guys out there just like me. Oh yeah, that need to hear this this show. Yep. and make all those adjustments too. Yep, yep. Even the small adjustments make a big big difference. Yep. All right, hey, Dusty. Anything else? No, sir. I think we got the uh, the master bow technician. We we kind of rattled his brain a little bit tonight, and you know I've enjoyed it, and I've learned a few things myself, and I hope that all the listeners have too with this podcast. I mean that, that that's what it's all about for us. Yeah, it's been great. All right, so uh, this is Jay. Scott, and you are Dusty Phillips. Dusty Phillips, and thank you very much to Randy Gagney from Morse's Sporting Goods, Master Bow Technician, for spending an hour and just uh, picking his brain. That was awesome, Randy. Appreciate Had a, good a lot. Time. Yep. All right. Thanks, so, thanks a lot, Randy. And Randy, if people want to reach you, uh, the best way is uh, at more Sporting Goods, uh, com. All right. And just go to the website and you the link to all there. All the information is there. Yep. Email, phone number, and all that kind of you stuff. You got it. All right, and if you'd like to re- reach us on the Big Buck Registry, um, actually, Dusty, why don't you tell us how to reach you on Chubby Tines Outdoors? Uh, Facebook forward slash Chubby Tines Outdoors or Outdoors. Awesome. And if you want to drop us an email, you can send an email to j at bigbuckregistry.com. Our website and blog is bigbuckregistry.com. Facebook is facebook.com forward slash uh, big buck registry twitter same thing big buck registry and you can always find us on itunes and the best thing about itunes right now is that you're probably on your iphone and you can listen to this podcast or any other podcast simply by downloading the podcast app and i think you should tell your friends about this especially if you have friends that hunt um we're we're covering a lot of hunting topics we're talking to hunters we're talking to people that are on tv and hunt and we're just we're gonna have a we have a great lineup this this season so download the podcast app go to the big buck registry podcast listen to it and then in the top right hand corner you see an arrow push it and that'll then you can actually text that to your friends i want you to text to all your friends and tell everybody you listen to randy gagney on the big buck registry talking about bow technology so that's it Awesome. Well, that's a wrap, guys. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next time right here on the Big Buck Registry, Big Buck Podcast.